Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. What can I tell you? Front pages this morning, energy bill hikes. Uh, they're trying to estimate what it would cost an average family, which is pretty impossible to do. It'll depend on the amount of children, the amount of rooms, the rating of your house. But you're certainly talking about close on an extra 700 to a grand or maybe more. Why? Well, board gosh, are putting up gas by 39% and electricity by 27%. And it's always easy to find somebody to blame. And the Russians is to blame. And the war in Ukraine, one of the reasons might. Mind you, I don't know what they were blaming last year when they had 25, 30 or 35 different uh, gas and electric increases. Uh, but that's the deal and you can be damn sure that the other energy suppliers will follow board gosh. It's a huge hike and it's a pain in the gas as they're saying in the star today. They all pick up on it this morning for 39 and 27. Uh, shopping around, will it make any difference at this stage? Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, I think that one goes, they'll all go. Maybe the only thing they can do really is, is cap it. But Nobody seems to want to cap prices for what really are not luxury items. And I also see in this morning's mail that Eamon Ryan, the transport minister, says expect further price hikes as well. You know, we just don't get the weather uh, like they do in many countries where they're not as reliant on electric and gas. Uh, There's a very, very sad story of the Irish uh, journalist and cameraman Pierre Zakruski. Uh, who works for, or did work for Fox News before he was murdered in the Ukraine, killed in shelling in Kiev at the age of 55. He's got the most beautiful smile, big bushy moustache and a big beautiful smile. I'd say, I'd say he was a real people person, I'd say Pierre was. And uh, there's lovely photographs of him with other uh, members of the Fox News team. Apparently he went to Ukraine in February and uh, sadly... Uh, lost his life uh, yesterday and his Irish passport is believed to have been found among his belongings. It's so sad. Irishman murdered in Ukraine and clearly Putin killed him. Um, An Irish journalist killed in a sickening gunfire attack by Russian troops in war-torn Ukraine. Um, And, you know, regardless of who you are or where you're from, there's nobody safe there. And you know that journalist that went on Russian television and said no to war, stop the war, don't believe the propaganda, they lied to you here. Russians against the war. That was the big sign she held up in front of the camera. Well, she was questioned for many, many hours yesterday by Russian authorities and apparently was ordered yesterday to pay a fine. Now, they are saying that she could still face years in prison. So I don't know what's going to happen there, whether the fine will be the end of it. There was another incident on television yesterday, but this was on Sky, where Sky, or at least Kate Burley, seems to confuse Britain and Ireland. She was talking to some (coughs) Ukrainian women who were in Dublin um, and were uh, on TV being interviewed. They travelled for four days to escape from the city of Kharkiv, got to Poland and then got to Ireland with help. And Kay says, you know what, ladies, I'm so pleased you're safe and what a terrible journey you've had, but hopefully you can start to build a new life in Dublin. She got that right. Safe in the knowledge the British people are completely behind you. Now... I'm not, I don't know. You can't say 100% that she confused Dublin and indeed Ireland with the UK or she was just making a statement that British people are also beside behind you. But one of the women jumped in immediately and wanted to uh, thank the Irish people in a lengthy response to Kay's comments. She said, we want to thank Irish people. We're grateful to Irish people for all the kindness and hospitality that they treat us with. Our Irish family who are hosting us. 
Uh, we are surrounded by care, love and attention. So fair play to her. Some are saying not fair play with regards to Ryanair because uh, Ukraine's ambassador to Ireland has written a letter of protest to Ryanair accusing them of raising price tickets for war refugees trying to get on Ryanair flights to get out of war-torn uh, Ukraine. And a lovely family who did, front page of the Echo today, is a Ukrainian woman who fled Kiev, uh, Larsa, and her son Mativ make the front page. I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong, and my apologies for it. They were living in a bunker 25 kilometers from from Kiev, and they're photographed on the front of the Echo today, both of them beaming, because they got here with the help of Cork Humanitarian Aid Ireland, uh, and they're safe and well, thankfully. Uh, Joshua Allen makes many of the newspapers. He has withdrawn his appeal. He was convicted last year for minor drug possession uh, and withdrew the appeal to it. Now, the Echo is suggesting that the withdrawal of the appeal could potentially trigger his suspended sentence, which was a 15-month suspended sentence that he previously received for a more serious drug conviction. Um, And, you know, it now could trigger that jail sentence. And that's why uh, the Mirror this morning is saying that uh, his 15-month suspended term may be enacted where he would have to go to jail uh, following his withdrawal of the appeal over the other conviction, which was a, a cocaine conviction. And of course, we have the St. Patrick's Day parade back tomorrow after two years without St. Patrick's Day. Both the Examiner and the Echo and indeed Red FM are very much behind the parade. And the Examiner this morning has lots of different photographs with regards to who's going to be there, what time it starts, who's going to be taking part. The Barrack Street Band will be amongst those making their return to the streets of Cork. Um, and, you know, they've been doing their thing on Cork Street since 1837. So more on that throughout the course of the morning. The Guardi did ask off licences. Please don't open until 4 o'clock on St. Patrick's Day. But despite Garda pleads, please, the uh, group representing off licenses says, no, we're going we're gonna to open at half past 12 on St. Patrick's Day uh, and off we go. So the guards had hoped it might have been a 4 o'clock. Uh, off licenses says no. And um, <laughs> You don't want to be knocking your own, and I am not in any way, shape, or form having any go or criticizing either his books or his television shows or his movies. But Graham Norton's coming in for a bit of uh, a bit of drama because of his new TV series called Holding. It was the most watched show on TV, despite some people calling for it to be cancelled. Apparently, some people have a problem with the accents, the Cork accents. Some say they're appallingly bad, and others are saying that the show, they're probably English people, or maybe people from up around Ireland who don't really get the Cork accent, that it needs subtitles. Uh, but um, while some shared praise on the first hour-long episode, others said they switched it off just minutes in, and one person apparently called for it to be cancelled. One person? I suppose you could ignore one. If it was thousands and thousands and thousands, we might be in trouble. But here's a clip from the promo of Holding. It's brown. It's not a crime. Busy, were you, Sergeant? There's a dead body in the neighbour's field. TJ! Okay, uh... Is the body Tommy Burke? Do you know what to do for a murder? Boy Wonder here is in charge. Can you think of anyone who had a reason to want Tommy dead? No. Apart from the woman he left standing at the altar. Tommy seems to have been involved with both women. Oh. I'm watching you. I know you are. She was obsessed. Everyone thinks I killed Tommy. Don't ask me what I think of you. I might not give the answer that you want me to. Very good. Please tell the truth. What are we meant to believe? Can I ask you a couple of questions? No. 
Oh. I mean, where's the Cork accent in any of that? I mean, we need to dig deeper and get some more examples of the Cork accent. That's like a cocktail of all sorts. Of, even picking up, even picking up accents from Father Ted in that. But I'm not sure I got any. What's the story like? What's the story like? <laughs> It's just me. Anyway, lines open. You can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on one eight, or our new brand number, our new number, which isn't all that new anymore, 0818104106. But the state of the nation, I lighten things up as we go ahead, but this gas and electric and fuel and petrol and diesel, when in the name of God is it all going to end? Jim is standing by. First up, Paddy, good morning. Uh, good morning. You're saying really um, in your lengthy email that you get what you deserve and if you elect this, these characters time after time after time, don't expect anything to ever to change, right? Yep, that's true. And what are we going to do about it? Like if we're looking at these, look at the, the latest increases. How are people going to be able to afford it? You know, gas, electric, petrol, diesel. You know, they're looking at, uh, what were the figures give, they give you? 39% on electricity, 39% on gas, 27% on electricity. Many homes have both. Uh, yeah. And uh, as far as I know, those, those um, the, the, the extras on that, the uh, rise in those prices is on top of the ones we've already had anyway. And that was over 30 to 35 of those little cuts or increases yeah. um, increase last year. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, so it's on top of that. But the, the simple truth of it is an awful lot of people aren't going to be able to afford it. Um, uh, I suppose, you know, the, the only good thing about it is that we're coming into the summer. So, you know, we might uh, won't need to heat, uh, heat homes. Yeah, but the only thing is when, the, when prices go up, they rarely ever, ever come down again. No, they don't. And, and I think I was looking at it, the, the price of oil, um, you know, at source and things. As far as I know, it, the price per barrel is actually quite a bit lower just now than it was, say, last year. And, um, you know, it's kind of hard to add that up. Like, how, how come it has to go up so much just because of the, the risk, basically, of, of the supply? Uh, the oil is still there. It's still being produced uh, and cheaper um, by the barrel. Yes, we have all these increases. Would you be very much in favour of a total and utter removal of all sorts of political leadership in this country? Uh, yeah, in a sense. We, we, I, I'm for the, to- the total and utter removal of all the present leadership. But, but I mean, we can't just remove, you, you know, as I said, like I'm for remove the government as far as I'm concerned. But you, you can't just remove a government. You need to put something in place that, uh, that replaces it. That is that is working. Because you describe because Ireland as a playground for the rich and the privileged. Do you think we have our own oligarchs here? Uh, yes, it's exactly what it is. I mean, uh, I mean, what's the definition of an, an oligarch? Uh, it's, it's the same as a dictator. It's just the numbers. It's just a small few rather than one single person dictating. And I mean, you look at our recent history in Ireland. Uh, uh, it's exactly what we have. A, a democracy is where people do actually have a say. In, uh, in the running of their own country or you know, in their own affairs, in their policies, political policies and that, are, that are decided upon. Um, I mean, can you honestly say that we actually have a say in what this government, the decisions that it makes? The only say we have is when we elect them or kick them out. Yeah, yes. You, you know, That's you all. That People say, yes, we do have a say every five years. But, but that's it. That's as far as it goes. I mean, you just go down to local level with uh, local governments. 
I mean, according to our constitution, that is uh, supposed to um, represent its its the role of of local government is the um, democratic representation of the community of the local community. So that includes health, housing, rent control, um, heating your home, being able to put food on the table, being able to put petrol or diesel in your car, being able to um, live some sort of a decent life. Yes, it does because it's, it's and they and they failed in all of that. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, you don't have to. You just go out and look around and see how, how well it's working. Um, decisions that are being made uh, are who are making these decisions. It, it, it is our politi- political elite. That's the word I use. It is a political elite. It's a small group of people that uh, make all the decisions that affect everybody else's daily lives. And, uh, and those daily lives then involve, as you said in your email, the constant battle to secure basic needs, to have a tolerable or even a dignified existence. Yes, uh, because, like, let's face it, especially now, uh, I'd say the majority of people, most people, w- would would be in that position. They, are, you know, they're finding it very, very difficult. Uh, as you know, just just for the basic needs. Yeah, you and you describe those um, as. The basic needs of life, food, heat, shelter, health care. Yeah. yeah. I mean, HSE, you know, our healthcare system, uh, which Michal Martin brought in, that's the legacy he gave us, you know, when he was health minister there in the millennium, the year 2000. And if for the last 20 odd years, you know, 20, 20, 21, 22 years now, we've seen the, the shambles that that is and the cost of it. And it's always the, uh, the average ordinary, you know, working person that is paying all this. Mm. It's um, how, the, how the money is being used then. We, you know, we could go into that as well. Uh, there's um, decisions that are being made as to what to do with this. There is no shortage of money in this country. You know, we can afford uh, to pay our way. The, the taxes that we have, the income the state, uh, the income the state has through through that, you know, the revenue from taxes and that, it's quite substantial. There's enough to run our country in uh, with that quite well. But um, the decisions that are being made as what to do with all of this is disastrous. I mean, there are things needed in health and, you know, we need a lot of money to be put into things like health. And then you get governments, I call them an oligarch. It's an oligarch. It's not, it's not all government. We don't have any control of it. Making decisions like, you, you, you know, just donating, giving a grant of 17 million, I think it was, to, to the greyhound industry. Uh, you know, when there are, uh, <laughs> when there are paths there in healthcare where, uh, you know, childcare that they're not getting yeah. because of the lack of funds. So, I mean, that, that's why I, I, I bring it back down to again is the people that are making decisions like this, I'm not affected at all by them. Yeah. They're about this. I mean, they're not going to have to worry now about, you know, getting enough coal in to keep the house warm. So why can't they cap uh, the prices? Because competition isn't working. All it means is that if one puts their prices up, everybody else puts their prices up. But if you cap them all and put some kind of manners on them, there was 35 increases last year, and now this enormous one, 40% and nearly 30% on gas and electric. Why can't they just cap the price? Like, there was no yeah. war in Ukraine last year when they put it up 35 times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good question, that. Ah, um, sure. You know, why, why can't we cap? Um, Let Jim jump in on this. Jim, good morning. 
Me and all your boys, that man has made a pile of sense there, but so nobody will listen to him. Uh, like that, that kind of song has been sung so many times, but the government are standing idly by again, oh, while the ordinary person, the girl with the baby, can't afford to pay her rent or can't afford to heat her house. They've done nothing. A simple thing, Neil, that they could do, right? There's a standing charge on your ESP box and on your gas. Get rid of that straight away. That's 20 or 30 quid back in every month. They don't need that. But the profits that the ESB have and that the gas have, they're not totally huge profits. But, but are they? Have you drilled profit. into that? Or is uh, you calling Conor Pope? The ESB never lost money. For God's sake, they're the richest organisation in the country. There's loads. And they broke up DSB. You know, there's all different sections in it. Now, so they're all very profitable, you know. So one just can't fall. Like the government should either cap what's there or take it back. Now, are you saying that neither Board Gosh nor Electricity Ireland or Electric Ireland or the ESB, neither of them run at a loss? They do not, for God's sake. And, they t- and there'll be times they'll tell you, and they get government funding if they need it. But let's take them back. Michal Martin said we're in a war situation. Nobody should be paying taxes in a war situation. Give something back to the people. Doing nothing. Michal is getting an award in, in, in the USA tomorrow morning for good leadership. By God, it's bad leadership I give him an award for. I mean, there's nobody. Just people can't afford coal next week. No, it has to stop. And something has to happen. The government needs to jump in. They either need to take the ESP back off those rogues that are running it, take all the power back off the gas that are running it, and leave the people to have some money. Because the next thing that's going to happen, Neil, and whether people like this or not, is that the banks are going to get up on this, and your interest rates are going to jump by 2% at least. Now, you take any girl or boy that's just bought a house, throw 2% onto that, and they're over the top. But they they can't be if they're locked in. Well, I, listen, they can take the houses off and they'll come so they won't be able to afford them all. Because always remember, all you're ever doing is keeping that house warm for the bank. They can take it off anything. And unless the people now stand up and get counted and get on the street and do something about this, they're going to take more out of your pocket. But typically in this country, people are very weak. They just go with the, with the status quo of the government and they put their heads down. People have to stop. You have to come out. Look at your children. Your house is cold. That's your fault because you are not on the street pr- protesting for your child. Your fault. Look at yourself. Look at that mirror. You don't, you don't, you don't buy into international oil prices. You don't buy I, into international gas prices. I, I, I buy into, into international bloody um, uh, profits for companies. No, the ESB are on the boat, right? Made 679 million profit last year. Just to answer your question, you know. Where'd you get that? Ivan, looking right up in front of me here, and somebody just walked in. I can give it a website there. It's on the Independent. ESB made record six hundred and seventy-nine million profit last year. Check it out to see. I'm reading it now in front of me. So there you are, only. Just... And I, I won't go looking at the gas. So it's happening. But people have to get strong. I'm going to say it again. If your house is going cold, you're the parent. You're at fault because you're allowing the likes of Michal Martin that pop it above in Dublin, right? And the rest of it, including Sinn Féin, right? Because they're not bloody better, right? To determine that your child is going cold. You look at yourself, you judge yourself, you're at fault. Not the government, you're allowing them to do it. Now it's time everybody got out on the street and done something about it. Because all you're going to end up with is nothing in the fridge, nothing in your oil tank, and God love us, you might even have a home. But by God, they'll end up giving the home for social. Once you keep it warm, they'll pass it on to somebody else. That's what we're facing. Let's get some more thoughts on this. Appreciate both of you. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Patty. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red 
FM. People just seem to take it and take it and take it and move on and take it and take it again. Do you really believe it's a coincidence, Neil, that these price rises were announced when our politicians were on their annual junkets around the world? 80 of them, says Pat. Another one. Your call is talking crap. The ESB never got money from the government. Quite the opposite. The government takes a whopping dividend from the ESB every year. Yeah, but whoever gives and whoever takes, it's the taxpayer and the user at the end of the day and... The person using the gas or the electric are from Monday, of course, more expensive coal. They're the ones that ultimately pay. One interesting story, though, if they're blaming Ukraine and uh, the Russian invasion of, of Ukraine, uh, the president of Ukraine has now come out and said that um, Ukraine won't join NATO, won't join NATO. You got to wonder, well, but will that be enough for Putin to pull his troops out and cop himself on? Just listening to you this morning, I feel so sorry for the people of Ukraine. There's a lot going on around all parts of the world. We can't help everyone, but I think it's brilliant what Cork people are doing for them. But it's such a shame. We have so many of our own families homeless and trying to find places to rent. But yet people are giving rooms and spaces away to the Ukrainians. I think we should try to help our own people before anyone else. A lot of us are suffering. Just want to leave this message here. Don't give out my details. Well, thank you for that. Um, they are not the first person that has said that, but I always remind people, we're not at war. We don't have bombs raining down upon us. We don't have our towns, villages and cities uh, being torn apart. Um, lovely responses to my conversation yesterday with the great Colette Wolf. We talked an awful lot about different aspects of her life. One of them was that uh, she learned to read and write very late in life. Uh, what a woman. Serious respect for her. She is a true superhero. We need more people like her. I could listen to her all day long. She is so positive and so encouraging. Thanks, Colette. Uh, morning. I have to say what a brave woman Colette is. She would put the rest of us to shame. She should be very proud of herself. What a lovely woman to know, says Jane. If you missed my conversation with the Colette Wolf yesterday, you can get it on the podcast. I have a daughter at home, beautiful girl. She was bullied, um, uh, like Leanne was. And unfortunately, Colette's daughter, Leanne, took her own life. Very, very tragic story. Um, anyway, my, my daughter is, uh, was bullied in creche. She was bullied the whole way through primary school. We were told there were bullies in the school. Uh, she went to secondary school. The same thing happened. Uh, she eventually broke down and told us what was happening. She did get to sixth year, but packed in school uh, because of it. Uh, but, Neil, we got help, and it's a long road, but we're getting there. Bullying isn't okay at any age. It ruined my daughter's life. Uh, and just another few. What an inspirational woman Colette Wolf is. I would love to meet her, and thank you for interviewing her. Uh, I always feel I'm just chatting with Colette, you know, like as if the, you know, just the conversation just rambles on very naturally. What a woman. Serious respect for her. She is a true superhero. We need more people like her. So that's a selection of texts on that from yesterday. Also, people picking up on Vanessa uh, being refused a, a toilet in a cafe in uh, Balancholic. I suffer from long COVID as well. I was so upset listening to the lady in the restaurant in Balancholic. I have never heard such cruelty to a human that a rest and restaurants need to be called out because I, for one, would never set foot inside of a restaurant that behaved in that manner, says Linda. Uh, not everybody, um, actually, this is an interesting perspective as to the way things used to be. While you're talking about using bathrooms, I remember years ago when I, when I used to be out with my grandfather, whether we were out walking or in his car, if he saw a house with a light on and he needed to use the toilet, he would knock on a random door 
and ask, could he use the bathroom? And there was never, ever a problem. I always wondered if this was something everyone did years ago. You wouldn't dream of doing something like that nowadays. No, you would not. Not for a second. So keep those texts coming. Text uh, 0868104106. Nancy wanted to pick up on my conversations yesterday regarding travellers and maybe even one specific traveller family. Nancy, good morning. Oh, good morning, Neil. Thank you for holding. What's on your mind? Well... As I said, it's, um, you know, the Sarah business. Sarah and um, Tommy and the seven children, right. Yeah, and everybody seems to be saying, just because they're travellers, how do we know we're not bringing in travellers from Ukraine? Mm, who knows? We're bringing in people that need our help and our, our, uh, our support. Yeah, yeah, but like one of the texts you just read, we need to, charity begins at home. And, you know, we've done nothing for our own people. Suddenly we can find all this money and all this um, housing to house these people. Not so much housing. I mean, they are converting hotels and they're asking the public to give up rooms. You know, they're, they're, don't talk yeah. about housing. It's a roof over their head, let's yeah. put it that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And yet there are plenty of people around Cork. I mean, I don't go, I don't know about Dublin and everywhere else, but they are all over Ireland and they need a home. Why were they not able to do something before? You know, charity does begin at home. This is about children, children, education. They're the future of the country. People would be afraid if there was, say, was a if there was a mass movement that got together to try and help homelessness or rent problems or housing. People would be afraid to contribute to, say, for instance, a massive GoFundMe because they'd give the money over to the state and politicians would waste it. Uh, well, there you go. I mean, you know, don't interrupt their lovely dining this coming weekend. They're, they're, they're going to have a really good time while everybody else suffers. Well, and get ready well, for extra increases in gas and electric and coal. Yeah, well, I told my husband, get out there and turn off off these lights that you have on, burning away. So, what do you do then? Yeah. How, 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 are you, how are the people who can't afford electricity, you know, as it is now, how are they going to be able to afford because, that? Well, the only advice that people have been given is to turn your thermostat down. Well, um, I tell you. Put extra blankets or quilts on the bed. Buy a couple of hot water bottles. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah but, well, I would like to give you the answer on that one. Not sure I know. Because, I'm just telling you what they're saying. Because you know, my, my, my thermometer is up at the moment. Um, I, it's a disgrace. Absolute disgrace. What do you set your heating at? What do we set, uh, what do we set our central heating at? Yeah. Well, you see, we, we live in a very um, a, a farmhouse with very thick walls. So if we lit the fire, we'd have to leave home. But we we keep I keep heating down. Um, our house is comfortable and warm, but my husband don't control it. I said to him, "What do you have these thermostatic valves for? Well, what are they doing?" I turned the um, the thing on the wall down, the temperature gauge. Because if if people don't know it, what's the the recommended temperature now? They're saying to reduce your cost of bills is eighteen degrees. Well, I think in 18, 19, yes, but to see some people live in dreadful situations. They do. They live in drafty houses, damp houses, and, you know, badly insulated of, houses. Yeah, and a lot of old people, I don't, but a lot of old and I'm old. And a they lot feel of old the cold people, more, don't they? Yes, they do. Yeah. 
and you know they do they go to bed in their clothes I mean you know at the end of their life I mean never did I ever believe that this would be the way that I'd end up the well, what do you call it the end it is the end of my life you know I'm 82 years old and where, where do you go I we haven't got a problem but we you know, everybody will have a problem, but you have to start cutting your cloth. How can you cut your claws when, you know, the poor people have no cloth left? Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. also bear and in mind as well that all food costs have gone up because of raging inflation. Oh. So you're paying more now at the tills as well as everything yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. And, and less, less on the shelves. You are, well, I've always shopped carefully. I don't let my husband out shopping because he loves bug offs. I had to prove to him. He loves what? Bog offs, buy one, get one free, you know. And, <laughs> bog offs. Uh, yeah, bog offs. Well, why and, not buy one and get one free? There's great value in that. Hang on a minute, Neil. You pick up two bags, you know, buy one, get one free. And then pick up the one you usually used to buy, and you'll find that you're not getting anything. The one you used to buy is cheaper. They, there's less in the bog offs. <laughs> So you, yeah. if, if you get one tin of beans and you pay for it and the other one is free, you're not making any savings on the two tins of beans. Well, there's, left, there's, oh, there's got to be less beans in the tin. <laughs> okay. There okay. is more, more, more water and less beans. <laughs> Surely you must know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know yeah. that. Well, do you I cook? I do. do you cook? Yeah. Oh, well, I hear you say you do this and that, but if you pull the ring of the tin, funny enough, I opened the tin of beans yesterday and I thought, Jesus, is this a tin of tomato soup? <laughs> and, yeah. But I write, I write to all the companies. When I get anything like that, I write to them. Do you? You know, you, oh yeah, you open a, a box of anything, cereal. Full of air. It's full of air. Yeah. Well, if there was air in there, I would. I, I'd be delighted. But yeah, when, it's just a third empty. And when you write to them, do they write back? I do. Yes, I had a big, um, a big go at Hagendas, <coughs> and they've just they've just sent me forty euro voucher. What were you, what were you giving out to Hagendas about, Nancy? Well, you see, oh, oh we always buy the Belgian chocolate, <laughs> and they stop doing that, and they make a duel which is strawberries in with... But there's no chocolate in it. It's all flaming water. <laughs> uh, well, it's all melted. Uh, the ice cream's white when you get to the bottom of it. So they I then send you a voucher for 40 euro worth of haagen ice cream, do they? Well, two, two pots of it were of no use. And it's not cheap. And do all of and the companies that you write to complaining send you vouchers or do they pull up with vans and give you hampers? No way, I wouldn't. I don't like hampers. No, but yeah. did they send you stuff? Oh, they would send me a voucher that I would have to spend for their item only. But I sometimes tell them, send me nothing because I wouldn't buy your goods again. <laughs> yeah, okay. but I can't get my husband to complain. He doesn't complain, I do. <laughs> but with Hagen Doss, it took me four emails. But I got it in the end. I've got the vouchers here. You're going to use so, it? Well, I, well, I, I, excuse me, I will. But I mean, sometimes when I'm in the store, I might give it to somebody I think would make 
use of it with children. Pass it on then. Yeah, <laughs> or else eat the ice cream under protest. <laughs> or if I, I think I photographed what I was complaining about. No point doing it unless you can prove your case. Yeah. Yeah. They Heaven don't call it. me judge. They don't call me Judge Judy for nothing. <laughs> judge Nancy. <laughs> you're, you're a real keyboard warrior, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I wish I was 20 years younger because, I mean, my husband said, please, well, I can't now because he's booked my flight. I'm leaving, I'm leaving to go to the UK the weekend for two and a half years. And um, he tells me to stay out of trouble. <laughs> yeah. But I said, you know, if I got arrested for anything, wouldn't I? I did say to a, a, a guard, a, no, a policeman, I was stopped in England forgetting, went over to help my daughter and son. I was driving my car coming from Colchester to Chelmsford and I put my foot down. I thought, his golf. I thought, gosh, this is going very well at, um, you know, 100 kilometers an hour. An hour. And he pulled in and I said to him, what, were you chasing me? And he said, do you realize what speed you were doing? I said, yes, a hundred. He said, and you knew it. I said, yeah. I said, oh, oh, and now I thought my son's car was going to be confiscated. And when he, I was shaking, when he asked to see my license, he threw his helmet back and he said, my God, at your age? 82. <laughs> I was doing 100 miles an hour. I got away with it. Did he, give you, with it. he gave you a warning, is <laughs> No, I think he had a shock. So, yeah. Oh and I left him. An 82-year-old. Yeah, uh, tell me, um, you thought it was kilometres, but it was actually miles per hour. Yeah, and my son said afterwards, Mom, there was kilometres on my dial as well. I said, in my state, I said, I just saw the needle at 100 and I was happy. I knew I wasn't breaking the speed Slow down, will you? Slow down. <laughs> oh, I like, oh, I keep within the speed limit, but I do love speed. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy your trip to the UK. And as your husband I, says, don't get into any trouble. <laughs> Now, and he's warned not to buy any bug-offs while I'm not here. All right, stay in touch. Have a great All trip. Right. Bye. Your great program. Thanks Bye, a The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Great to see street art, isn't it? And there's a lovely initiative going on at the moment. The People's Republic of Cork, there's a group within it that have uh, taken it upon themselves. It's a fabulous idea. A street art group have taken to Cork City and their, um, you know, the utility boxes. I don't know. They could be ESB. They might be for, I don't know, they could be electric or gas. I don't know what they use them for. It's probably to do with power. But those utility boxes that you see around the, the streets, they have uh, painted one of them in Ukrainian colours. It's a fabulous idea. Well done to those in the in Prague, the People's Republic. Public of Cork. It says, Welcome to Cork in Ukrainian. And it also has the ru- Ukrainian colours. And there's another one then, they're using the phrase Falcha Kaporki Kiev, as in K Y I V. I think it's a fabulous idea and it's lovely to see. I haven't seen it myself, I just saw a photograph of it on uh, on the Echo Live this morning. So well done to them. Text 0868104106. Lots to get through between now and midday. And after 11, we'll have Derek Burke accompanied by Danny O'Leary and Danny Janine for a trad session ahead of tomorrow because we're not on the air tomorrow. So I'm going to do it today, celebrate all our Irishness. And we'll also have the Illin Piper, David Power, in studio after 10. Uh, but ahead of that, Dan, good morning. Good morning, good morning, Hugh. All right, and what so, are we going to do? Um, I know I started off roaring and screaming about the gas and electric increases. It's just, it's just, 
hard to believe. Like no, it's just... no, but but Neil, I heard Pascal this morning saying that saying saying there's nothing we he, can he, do he, to help. He can't do. I can I would suggest Pascal and Hall take big massive cuts in their expenses for twelve months. All TDs, all ministers, all. All top people in the government departments, because some, I remember a couple of years ago, one of those people had a bigger salary than the British Prime Minister and the President German, of America. And, well, yeah, yeah. And we can, and they have massive money. They should, they should, they should feel the pain that the army people are, are suffering now, no, Neil. They won't, they but they, you see, they are tied into the public sector pay grades. And listen, Neil, will you stop? No, they never ask for a wage increase. They get them automatically as part of the public sector pay grades. And how come? How come we can give this that Mister Watts eighty thousand euros of an increase? But I think there are some salaries then that are outside it because um, if they particularly want certain individuals, they can pay above the grade for it. And what about all the advisors for years and years? There was advisors came in when Labour and Fine Gael were in government in 2013, 2014. They had 92,000. That wasn't enough. 92,000 had. And you know what? I get get the amount of advisors that different government departments and ministers have. They don't just have one or two, you know. Some of them have a lot more. I know, but Neil, around that 2012-2013, around that, they gave an increase and was it 25 or 30,000? I have to ask the question, though. How can we take politicians seriously that they are of the people if they're flying to the likes of Germany or France or the UK in a 15,000 euro a day jet? Listen, Neil, our TDs have more money than most of those, their counterparts all over Europe. They are only TD, and the expenses they have is unreal. 40% and, on electricity, 27% on gas, 35 increases last year. What are we living in like? Are we at war yeah, ourselves or what? No, I, I would... I, I, I could be correct here. I remember when... I can read some history book, Martin, when De Valera was... Before the last war, he actually reduced his own salary and all the TDs and ministers' salary at the start of the the Second World War from thirty nine to from thirty nine to forty five. He don't actually reduced uh, yeah, all the salary. Don't Fein, don't Sinn Fein refund a portion of their salary? Did, well, as, as far as I know, part to do, part to do, yeah, to do. They live on so Neil, the average wage or something, don't they? Yeah, that's right. But Neil, as far as I know, right? All I know, Neil, is that is that when I heard Pascal this morning. I nearly choked on my bowl of porridge when Pascal said he couldn't do anything. They could cap the price of um, utilities. They could ne- just ne- say, you ne- can't ne- do le- Leave and cap their own salaries for 12 months and leave them hand back some of their salaries for 12 months. And don't tell me that they can't do it first because they can't. They can't, they can't. There was two, there was two people... Uh, years ago, handed back their pensions in some under government departments. Mm. They, I, 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 I don't know what happened, but handed back their pensions, and after 12 months or two years, they, they took their pensions back again because it made no difference. Because those people, those pe- two people, they actually were, uh, they were being taxed on their pensions as well. Yeah. So Neil, I, I, Neil, they can do a lot if they want to, but they have to feel the pain and stop. They should actually, they shouldn't be taking any expenses for leave, leave, leave them pay for their own petrol and diesel and, um, and we'll see how smart they'll be then. Take public transport? 
Yeah, yeah, the same as you. Exactly. And pay for their own personal deals out of their own pockets okay. after getting a big massive cut as well. Okay. Keep those texts and calls coming. Thank you for that. Appreciate it, Diane. Text 0868104106. You can always email Neil at uh, redfm.ie. From yesterday's uh, program with regards to the plight of a traveller family with seven children. That family are actually getting €1,120 monthly on children's allowance as you get paid extra for twins. Why do you give? Why do you keep giving these people airtime? Big cars, big jeeps. Don't you worry, Neil. They're not short a penny. Uh, Sam says, uh, with regards to my conversation yesterday with uh, uh, John Quilligan, travellers never seem to condemn their own. I think he did go some way to apportioning some blame on members of the travelling community. Uh, he can go on about all the love in the world. There are travellers in Cork blackmailing the community, bullying the community. I have personal experience of this. Some are lovely, but some use the traveller thing as intimidation, threatening people. They will say, we will burn and smash your cars. We know where you live. I know they will say ordinary people do this as well. Well, I don't think the word ordinary is a fair, but maybe you mean settled community do this as well. It's not true. I've never experienced this from any lay person. So they need to sort them out as they give them a bad name. I've no sympathy here. Um, no names, please. It will just come back on me. Uh, another one, a disgrace. The discrimination against travellers and hotels and bars in Ireland. Remember recently, Charleville Park Hotel had to pay out €28,000. Uh, the guy on air preaching that the travelling community are good people, um, but yet nobody wants them in their area. Why is that? It's because many of them are a menace to society, simple as. Uh, John Quilligan is a great communicator on behalf of travellers. You should stand in the election on traveller issues. Uh, and then somebody accusing me of giving trolls a platform to stir it up. I don't, I don't see it that way. You do. I see it as people having a point of view and sharing it on air. You must have the patience of Job listening to the, some of the people on your radio program, says Jim. Well, maybe I do, but I wouldn't change anything. Maria says, I saw a group of travellers last year at a communion. It was a lovely day. But by the time night came, when the drink was in, uh, the kids were out of control. People were afraid to confront them. Uh, and one final one, the guy preaching that uh, the traveller community are good people. Nobody ever wants them. Would you want them living next door? Uh, keep those texts coming. Text uh, 0868104106 and we'll pick it up after 10. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench. That's the Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show And we'll have some uh, St. Patrick's Day festivities today Because I'm not on the air tomorrow So we'll be doing a bit of that uh, a little later on Be checking in with Joe Seward as well in Cheltenham See how many people are there and how they're all getting on But our lines are open 0818 uh, 104 106 You can text uh, 0868104106 John got in touch by uh, email He says listening to you this morning on air And I've noticed you're cutting people short are changing the subject. You're doing it constantly. Um, an 82-year-old woman was cut short by you about the homeless, but you're changing the story. Did you not listen to the news yesterday about the government? Hotels and landlords are holding the houses for refugees and are homeless that are in emergency accommodation and hotels are being thrown out to accommodate the refugees. Uh, I would like to hear more about that uh, and I would like to talk to people if they're going through uh, a situation where they are being asked to vacate emergency accommodation and hotel bedrooms. John goes on to say there was 1.9 million 
uh, given to accommodation for travellers. Where's that gone? It wasn't used towards travellers. I'm not racist, far from it. I have friends from all nationalities. You need to stick to the topic people are talking about and stop changing the topics. I doubt if people are bothered about vouchers for ice cream as that's not going to fix our homeless crisis. Well, thank you for that. I like when people have a, a strong opinion like that and thank you for it. Uh, it was Nancy actually moved the, com- the, the conversation on to other aspects. We did talk uh, at the start of the, com- of the conversation about refugees and our own homeless problems, etc., but we did move on. But fair play to you. Um, and I'd like to hear more about part of your email there where you said uh, hotels and landlords are holding the houses for the refugees and our homeless that are in emergency accommodation and hotels are being thrown out to accommodate the refugees. Text 0868104106. A lot of other texts and emails to get through. Great news, actually, from yesterday's program. It's a very sad, tragic story. Uh, We spoke with Michelle yesterday morning, uh, who would be the sister of Niall. And Niall's wife, Kirsty, died. She passed away, mother of three, at a family wedding in Carlow at the weekend. And her husband, Niall, is trying to repatriate her back to um, the UK for burial. Now, it was a very tragic story and, uh, you know, very emotional conversation yesterday uh, with Michelle, who'd be Niall's sister. They had a GoFundMe to help them, and yesterday it was at €12,000. This morning, as we were coming on air, that GoFundMe had gone to €21,673. So thank you to... Pounds, actually, I think. It's a... It's a is that Pounds? Is that a, a, a UK one? It's either Pounds or, or Euro, but it certainly doubled... So thanks to every single person who got on board and helped in that regard. Um, appreciate it. And I'm sure that that GoFundMe is still open. Um, on COVID cases increasing, and it's a story that I'm slow to revisit because we don't want to go back to the old days again, but numbers are increasing. Uh, my son had the vaccine but not the booster and got COVID. He didn't get a PCR as he was only 39 at the time. Will he still need a booster for Spain going in July? Um, no, what's, what has he got like? Has he got, a, has he got his certs and everything and his QR codes and things? Uh, one of my parents is in Ballino Nursing Home. <coughs> We've heard via text that there is an outbreak of cases. Uh, we are very worried for them and cannot get through uh, uh, for the last um, two years, we've been worried. We have lost valuable time with our mum, who has declined in health very much. We are desperately worried. Please don't give out my details. Well, we contacted Ballyno Nursing Home yesterday to ask them, uh, you know, what was the, what was the story, or were there was there an outbreak? One of the this text actually said that there was five, maybe six cases in Ballyno, and Ballyno said they did not wish to comment in any way. Uh, and that was the response we got. Oh, wait until next week. COVID cases will be as high as a kite. St. Patrick's Day parades, Cheltenham, people coming into the country on a weekend break, and the pubs and clubs will be full, all celebrating. You may say it's great for the economy, but what will that do for people who have lost someone from COVID and for the rest of us trying to cope with the cost of living? Should we be thinking of the people of Ukraine at this time instead of celebrating this long, long weekend? And if we're out... Wear our masks, keep sanitizing, and stay away from crowds. Well, that's one thing you're certainly going to get over the coming days, and that is crowds and people celebrating. Text 0868104106, back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now, 0868104106, Red FM. Ah, fuel costs, fuel costs. Went to order some coal today, rang several co-op stores and local coal merchants. I know coal went up significantly and will again. I wanted to order some, but most of the companies I rang won't deliver on account of fuel and diesel prices. What's the point in selling coal if you can't deliver your product? 
I live in Lehanabeg in Toker. Uh, surely that's close enough. I had breast cancer earlier on in the year. I'm not in a position to collect the coal. Just wanted to see what your listeners make of this. You buy coal, uh, but a lot won't deliver. Some are charging as much as 50 euro now to deliver. Some just won't deliver and you have to pick up yourself. That's where we're at. I was talking as well about Cheltenham and bear in mind those who suffer with gambling problems. I got some texts following uh, conversations about the amount of money that would be bet at Cheltenham this year. I suffered massively with a gambling problem from a child up until around five years ago. I hid it for a long time until I ran up a 40,000 euro debt and the bills started bouncing. The banks were giving me 2,000 to 5,000 euro loans constantly because I did it on my banking app and because withdrawals from the gambling apps appeared to the bank like I had a lot of money coming in. Uh, when the automatic online application would go through. I'm now 29 and I still owe around €35,000 from gambling. I can't get credit uh, to even get a contract phone. I will never be able to buy a home, no matter how much I save or earn because of my bad credit. It's a pressure on me constantly and it has ruined any chances I could have had without this. Love the show, uh, but um, you and other radio stations and television take gambling ads, particularly online gambling adverts. Um, and that is a bit rich uh, to make it uh, sound like you care when two minutes later you have adverts for gambling. Uh, how come there is no funding for Gamblers Anonymous? How many meetings are in West Cork, say, for instance, on a given week? Why is there no support for families hit by a gambling addiction? Why is Gammonon not being promoted? What about the suicide rates amongst gamblers? More helplines are needed to support families and get them talking, particularly in and around Cheltenham festivals. Uh, I worked in a treatment centre for two years and people would come in from AA and NA as well as GA to speak. Nobody went to Gamblers Anonymous meetings to the point that they said they wouldn't come anymore to the treatment centre. Then the nun who ran the centre found a book with the lads betting on the lottery and staff were betting as well in a treatment centre. Racing is the big gambling situation causing problems as it is dictated totally by the bookmakers who always win, um, says uh, John. Uh, and then there are others then uh, talking about gambling we'll talk about in a few minutes' time. But, you know, lots of different stories with regards to people's lives and uh, I love when people when they share them. Like yesterday, I didn't get to this conversation but I, I did have a conversation off-air, recorded conversation with a chap uh, who's been living um, over the past few weeks in his van. And we've been speaking over the past few weeks about homelessness in general, God knows for years, with many tenants now, more so than ever, being the subject of terminations because landlords are leaving the market and they want the properties back. But I caught up with the chap who is a landlord who's living in his van because the tenants inside in his house actually refuse uh, to move out. Good morning to um, you now. You're spending your nights uh, sleeping in your van. Is that accurate? That's right. Yeah. How, how long are you doing that? Uh, uh, since I arrived to Ireland, which is like uh, now two months. Since what? Early February? Yeah, but you 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 came to Ireland in 2005, so you've been here like 17, 18 years, yeah? That's right. That's right, yeah. I, I was here a, a longer while, but then uh, I decided to leave everything and to go and see a family member over in Spain. Okay. So did you have yeah. your own, were you, you had your own home and paying your own mortgage. Did you... Did you rent out the house, is it? Exactly. Exactly. That happened because, you know, that could uh, support me financially in, uh, you know, uncertainty of, of, you know, a job market in Spain. 
Yeah, and it so, would cover it would cover much of the mortgage anyway. Payment. Did you get reference? Exactly. Did you get references for the tenants that moved in? I did. I did get. You know, uh, we didn't check them. You know, deeply, but you know, they seemed legit. We we made one phone call. It, it, it seemed all right. Like, yeah. You know? But they they stopped paying rent after a month. Is it exactly? Yeah, and yeah, that that was it. They they asked for help. You know, and once I provided them the form, there was uh, the communication ended. Basically. Okay. So, how much? How many months rent do they owe you now? Uh, it will be about five months. Okay. Yeah. And do you mind me asking what rent they were paying for your property? It's thirteen fifty. Okay. So five one. Did you say five months? Is it? Yes. So they owe yeah. you just under seven thousand euro. Have you had to eat into your savings? I mean, are you managing to make the mortgage repayments? Well, yeah, I kind of, uh, you know, really down in, in debts. Like, you know, my, my bank account is like minus 200 and, you know, they're ringing me every day. And I, you know, I also took a small loan because before I left and that wasn't really protected. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really down. Yeah. Okay. So when this was happening, you couldn't stay overseas any longer. You had to get back to try and sort this because you needed to, um, you know, try and get them out of the property, right? Exactly, exactly. Well, I still kind of a hope that, you know, it could be resoluted. So I, I sent a negotiator, you know, a friend of mine who, who is like good in these things and he rang them up and he was trying to, to get some sort of an agreement because, you know, that they weren't happy with that. They wanted a different date on the HAP form and we also get them that, like, you know, for, for the future. But, uh, yeah, it ended up in nothing. And that was, that was, you know, the end of the year of 2021. So. Well, for whatever reason, they haven't paid rent for five months. So you, you must have gone to, like, did you go to a solicitor? Did you go to the RTB? What did you do? Yeah, yeah. So I basically did the whole round, like, you know, through, uh, through citizens advice. I have a solicitor. And yeah, I went to RTB. So now I'm, I'm in the process of, of trying to, to get them out the legal road. Right. Which is very, very complicated. And uh, as I was advised by, uh, by one agency owner who's a, who's a friend of a friend of mine, yeah. that it might take up to 14 months, you know, to get them out. So. Well, it could take that uh, long to get a hearing through the RTB. I don't think the Gardee are um, of any help to you in this matter because it's a civil matter. But you did approach them, did you? Yes. Yeah, I, I went into into the house, you know, and uh, yeah, it was... No, I'm saying you approached the Gardee first, did you? Of course. Yeah, yeah. I asked them, but they, they don't want to have anything to do with it. So somebody yeah, said they, to they, you, because they said it was a, a civil matter, is it? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like, you know, so yeah. t- tell us a little bit about then somebody who advised you to change the locks. Well, you know, there's, uh, it's a, it's a great area, like, you know, and people like who, who know the law, they say like, you know, I, I wouldn't be advising with that, but this is what normally is being done. So you just come to the house, change the locks, kick their stuff out. And then they have to go to court with you because it's a civil matter. And if you get fined, you're going to have to pay back the, the you know, the, the, whatever the fine is, but they're going to have to give your money back as well for, for the rent. That's right. Yeah. Force a, force yeah. a court appearance by, you know, going to the house. So you did that, did you? Uh, well, I, 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 
came to the house, I glued the front lock, you know, I drilled the back door to the floor because I didn't have a, a similar lock on me. And uh, I started kicking the stuff out, you know, and and they came, uh, they saw me with the stuff out and they left, you know, it's a family. And your men came back in a company of four other men and basically they were trying to get into the house, you know, and they, they destroyed the frame on the back door and they went in. You know, and uh, the biggest fella was, was after me and I had to protect myself. So I was standing at the stairs, you know, I had to, I had to kick him like, you know, cause they, they were determined, you know, to get me. And he, he felt on top of others and, and they, they stopped approaching me then. They were just like, you know, uh, screaming that they will kill me. And I think neighbors called the guards and they arrived quite quickly, you know, so they came in, but they eventually told me to go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You told them you were the property owner, did you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I had to uh, show the documents, you know, regarding that. So, yeah. But they said you had to leave the property because they were the in-situ tenants. You told them they hadn't paid rent in five months. Well, of uh, course, I showed them the, the termination notice. But they said, like, you know, uh, that wouldn't do. And one of them was actually quite angry at me. He said, like, uh, I can see that you are trying to sort your own business using RD, you know? Yeah, so. I don't know what he means by that. I mean, you just want to get your rent paid, and if you want to get tenants who won't pay it out, you want to pay exactly. your mortgage, the bank is knocking on the door. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you glued the front locks and were trying to change the back door locks when they came back with some heavies, yeah. right? So and uh, what? they came back with heavies. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. so what's the next move? I mean, it does it does kind of sound as if you're going to have to go through the legal route and go to court, yeah? Yes, yes. The the, the thing is now in RTB like waiting for for the case to be resolved. We'll see if we get a uh, uh, a hopeful uh, determination order that will, you it's know, It's a nightmare the, for uh, you. That could yeah. take, that could take a long time and yet they'll stay in the property and not pay any rent maybe. Absolutely that, you know, and uh, I, before they were asking me for money to leave the place. So they're like kind of a blackmailing. They, they asked for three grand, you know, at the after the first month, you know, of, of them being there. If I want them to leave, I have to pay them three grand. Oh, God. Uh, I now tried offering that, you know, keeping in mind that, you know, I might wait a, a year, but now they don't want that. They don't want that money. They they say you cannot afford it. Like we know you 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 don't have money. You you're down with your mortgage and you know your account is empty because all the letters come to us. So you know you, you can't afford it. Just just forget. It. Are they opening your mail? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately. Wow, this is a nightmare. It's really just awful. It's beyond words. What's it like night after night after night since early February in your van? Yeah, it can be challenging, but, you know, I I try to do what I can. And I know this is not the end of the road, you know. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful and, uh, you know, it might take some time, but I know eventually I'll I'll, I'll get them out. And this is what keeps me alive, you know. <laughs> I know, but wait, it, it, it but, be, and, I hope, and I hope it will happen that way for you. I really do. But what do you do for washing or for food or do you go to work every day from the van? Like, I, I use help of friends. I have good friends in Cork City. Like, you know, my Irish friends especially are, are extremely helpful to me, you know, these days. So I uh, I really appreciate their, their you know, presence and the, them being here for me. You Can know, you not stay helping. with your friends, though, and get out of the van, no? Yeah, yeah, I, I often stay in someone's house. Like, you know, I 
I'm, I'm not that bad, you know. So well, it's bad enough, though. And do you think that the bank would understand if you explained to them what was going on? Uh, I hope so, because I just filled a standard uh, assessment form, you know, financial uh, assessment form, and I hope that that they will they will freeze my mortgage for a while. So let's see what happens, you know. And do you need any help in this regard? I mean, okay, we're sharing your story, and I hope to God it gets resolved quickly. But can anybody help in any way? You have a solicitor, do you? Yes, I do, indeed, yes. And what is the solicitor saying? Go down the civilized legal route, is it? Yeah, now, like, after all that that happened, I I don't have too many choices. I I just got a job. I'm just waiting for a guard clearance, you know, to, to go off and... And I hope to be, you know, paying it up. Oh, yeah. You end up constantly paying the mortgage while other people live in your home for free. That's fair. That's law. That's bad. It is. It is. And, you know, I just hope someone will look at it and, and you know, and we could change it because it is, it is really terrific and... Uh, gonna, it shouldn't be that way. I'm gonna send I'm gonna send this conversation off to independent legal advice. Is that okay and see what they might make of it? Absolutely, I would appreciate any okay. form of, of you know help in that. Okay, regard. well I'm glad you have some friends that you can turn to at the same time. But uh hang in there, pal. Stay in touch, all right? Thank you so much, man. Okay. Pleasure. Neil's got a new number. Call him now on 0818104106. I was just looking at the stats, actually, because I'm going to chat with Elena in Krakow in a second or two. But I was just trying to find out exactly where we were at now with the amount of Ukrainian refugees that have come into the country. And as of yesterday, the figure stood at 6,646 refugees have now arrived in Ireland. And uh, there are 2,260 odd of them in hotels already uh, and they're coming in like in numbers like four, five and six hundred uh, a day and it's interesting there's been 18,350 pledges from families uh, to house uh, refugees so that's where we're at now there was one worrying text came in this morning saying that people in emergency accommodation are being moved out of emergency accommodation that's the that's the claim that's been made to make way for refugees in hotels and, and guest houses so I would like to know more about that because somebody claims it to be a fact. But at this stage, they're the up-to-date numbers. Now, Elena, good morning. No, good morning. I'm here. Yeah. Ah, lovely. I know, I know we had a problem with the phone line earlier, so that's a nice phone line. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah. You're, in, you're in Krakow, Poland, right? Uh, yeah, we came here a few days ago with my daughter, my mom and cat. And uh, how far so did you travel from what part of Ukraine? Uh, we lived in the middle of Ukraine, in the center. It's like 180 kilometers from Kiev. Uh, it's a Cherkasy city. Okay, okay. Uh, so we flew uh, like half of Ukraine to get to the Polish border. And uh, it um, took like about um, 12, 13 hours by, by car or by train. So trains are totally full. People are running from uh, uh, from uh, a different parts of my country. Yes, know? yeah, they are. Mill- millions have left, and you're yeah, you're amongst yeah. them now. You ultimately want to to come to Cork, but what was the journey through through Ukraine like? Indeed, what was the state of war in the area where you lived? Uh, so my town is 
still uh, like uh, okay, but um, from the first day they started to bomb. Russians started uh, to bomb uh, like a military base in my city and airport. And uh, through all of day we got uh, you know this crazy uh, alarm you can hear. Yes. Uh, Do you go to uh, a basement then or to a shelter? Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, to the basement we were running for a few times. Um, we couldn't sleep at night. All kids are scared so much yeah. and they're crying. So it's, it's really terrible. Did you really just terrible. pack a bag and leave? Uh, yeah, we have like two jeans, two sweaters, some power. Two jeans, two sweaters, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, it, it wasn't possible to get something more, you know. Okay, so there's yourself, <laughs> your 14-year-old daughter and your mother, is that right? Uh, yeah, my mother, uh, she um, she's a singing teacher. Uh, she was doing very well in my town. She was very famous and she had uh, many students. Uh, she, she taught music and piano and things like that in school. Yeah, no, no. She, 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 she's teaching sing at home and at home. I'm a piano teacher. Okay. So we're both of teachers. Okay, okay. Excellent English. Was that, do you learn, do you learn <laughs> English at a young age in school? Uh, actually not. Uh, our Soviet uh, system wasn't so good, so I started uh, learning maybe like five years ago okay. because I started to travel and I was interested to, to talk to people good for and you. don't be ashamed, you know. Okay. Now, you're in Krakow. Will you get a flight to Ireland from Poland? Uh, we didn't... Uh, we didn't get it yet. Uh, maybe we will go by train uh, or maybe by plane. We don't know yet. Are you we, exhausted? We um, so I don't know this are, uh, word. Are, are you very tired and worn out? Uh, now we are fine because we are for a few days here. But uh, in the in our like travel time, it was incredible, difficult, very hard. Um, yeah, of mm. course, yes. But mm. now we got some rest. Mm. I know. Very sad to have so to now, leave your own country, isn't it, Helena? Uh, very sad. Uh, you don't. Very sad to feel you don't. You don't have the home anymore. You know. So we don't know if we can come back and still will have our apartment. I know. Or I know. it will be gone. So yes. we don't know. Nobody know. knows. I know. But for now, of course, Ireland is your destination. And you would like to come to Cork, I believe. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Because I would like still to teach kids to play the piano. And uh, um, my English, I think, will be okay for this. And the main thing, my mom and me, we have some, like, medical issues. So uh, uh, it's better for us to stay in the city because my mom has... A heart surgery, I believe. Heart operation. Huh? She, yes, she said heart surgery, your ma'am. Yeah, two, two. Yes. Two heart surgeries. And I have some, my, um, my, my problems are... Uh, 
Uh, I'm taking some special medicine, uh, and I think it will be possible to get in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you town. know that when you come here, you will get help in that regard. You know, the Irish Red Cross and the Irish government have set up uh, a medical card that will allow you access to the health system. And also you will get um, a social insurance number here that will provide you with some finances as well. Um, do you have any friends in Cork? Uh, actually not. I have friends of friends, uh, but in some small uh, small town uh, in the middle. Uh, yeah. But we, did, we, never, uh, we never met each other. We just uh, keep talking by the phone. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so, actually, I don't know anybody. Yes. Well, I think for you, it would make sense for you to come in to Ireland through Dublin. And at Dublin Airport, yeah. you would be met then by um, the Red Cross. And there you would, you know, for want of a better word, you're, you would be processed. Uh, you know, that's not the kindest word to use. But they would go through all of the paperwork needed uh, for you to come into mm-hmm. Ireland very quickly. And then you would be allocated probably um, hotel accommodation in the short term. But you would like Mm -hmm. to see if anybody in Cork would be able to help you, your mother, your daughter and your cat um, with with maybe some accommodation like a a spare room or a a granny flat. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, Yeah. we would like to, of course. But you were also saying that you want to work. Of course I want to work Uh, because it's my life. I I always uh, was like social person and uh, I always, I actually uh, my hobby is uh, like oil painting so I left my oil, all oil paintings at home so maybe I can teach some kids with this, oh actually I, I don't care from what I can start yeah. I can work like a waiter like uh, like on a reception somewhere, it doesn't matter for beginning You mentioned a receptionist, a waitress working in a coffee shop or uh, a yeah, restaurant, or, yeah. yeah. So you you don't want yeah. to be sitting doing nothing. No. You want to no, work. You want to no. contribute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Because you could be here for perhaps six months to a year. Who knows? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I'm very thankful to all of countries who help Ukraine now. It's yeah. unbelievable. It really. is really. Yeah, yeah. Nobody expecting this help. Yeah. Massive outpouring of compassion and support and generosity. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Listen, um, I think you probably will come in by plane, you think? Come into Dublin, meet with the Red yeah. Cross, get through the paperwork. But if anybody is listening here to me right now in the greater Cork area that might be able to offer you accommodation, I hope they'll get in touch with me and I can come back to you then. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, and we can see where we, we can see where we go there. Just very quickly, because I'm just hearing this in my ear. Hold on, John. Hi, Neil. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. What are you? What are you? Are you? Are you in a position? You yeah. think that you may it, be able to help? Yeah. Well, it was it's some something similar to uh, it arrived on my Facebook page yesterday um, uh, through um, some contact in the Bandon area, right? That um, it, that was a, a, a mother daughter and the grandmother. With a cash. That's right. That's Elena's story. Yes. Yeah. So I actually rang the Red Cross uh, yesterday. We need something to get back to me. But I have a house available in Bandon. Um, no, it's uh, it's my mum and dad are uh, in, in nursing home care. 
So I was onto the fair deal. Um, and once we don't take any cash for the house, it's okay to let it out or to give it to the Red Cross, you know? Yes. Would you be in so a position? House? Would you be in a position to give it to Elena, her mum, her would, daughter, yeah, and her yeah, cat? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Wow, that that's incredible oh, news. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you. That must come no. as a huge relief to you, Elena. I'm sorry. You must be relieved. Uh, relieved? What is relieved? Relieved means you must be very happy hearing this news. Yeah, of course. I didn't expect so quick. Quick. <laughs> very, very quickly. John, you're so kind. Elena, Bandon is a very beautiful town to live in. It's not very far from the city and you will really love it there. You just need to safely get to Cork as soon as you can. Yeah, I, I, um, yeah go on, John. It's actually in the, it's in the, it's, it's up the north side of the town, near the schools, um, shops, everything are, are, are local. Like, That's know? incredibly kind of you, John. Thank you so, so much. I, Thank you, you can um, you can take my number. She can get in touch with me. I will give you her. I will give her your mobile number to Elena, and you can chat and text over the coming days. All right? Yeah. Like there's a fine big back garden, and uh, uh, you know an area for the cat to play and everything. So there's <sighs> there's plenty of room there. Like you that's know, a, that's a great result. Well done, John. Thank you so much. That's terrific. Delighted for you, Elena. Um, at least. You don't have a worry with regards to where you're going to lay your head at night. You now have a home, okay, for now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Thank you. So you're welcome. Thank you. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not on air over the next couple of days, but I would love to chat again on Monday. Who knows? Maybe she may have arrived by then, John. All right? Okay. Well, look, you have my number there, so you can, uh, okay. you can get in touch with me. Okay. Safe trip to Ireland, Elena. Okay. Okay, thank you so much. Bye for now. Take care. Wonderful gesture. Fantastic to have that resolved so, so quickly. Text 0868104106. That's the story we will be returning to on Monday. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Ah, that's a great result. I'm so happy with that. I'm sure you are too. Text 0868 Right. Uh, pubs are very busy yesterday and everybody was, uh, you know, betting they were going between the pubs and the bookies. And I know that a lot of pubs then had little uh, dockets inside in the pubs for the bookies and what have you. Uh, and Joe, Joe Seward travels uh, to Cheltenham. We had a good result yesterday, actually, in fairness to Jordan Bracken. I'll give you some more bets as well just before midday today. Constitution Hill. Uh, came in uh, a winner. Honeysuckle came in a winner. Statler came in a winner. Gaelic Warrior came in second. So we won't worry about that. So a good result yesterday. Joe is uh, at Cheltenham, as I say. He never misses it. Well, everybody missed the last couple of years. Joe, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I, I was actually just looking at, um, you know, the betting. And uh, the last Cheltenham was 2019, right? Um, and they were saying back in 19... 500 million was believed to be the figure of betting at Cheltenham. And I hear this year it could be closer to a billion. Is that right? A billion. Yeah. Speaking to bookmakers on course yesterday, and, and that wouldn't factor in the off course firms, the big firms, uh, on course bookmakers reported that business was very brisk, much busier than uh, the pre pandemic meeting, which obviously suffered from smaller attendances but yesterday there were 67,000 people in Cheltenham wow. so is that a big number I mean is that as high as it usually is yeah it would be around 59 maybe 60 but there was definitely a huge crowd for the opening day and I know the final two days are already a sellout here uh, Gold Cup Day which is on Friday so uh, people have obviously wanted to get back racing 
and huge numbers have travelled from Ireland um, given that the the 2020 meeting, which was held just before, at the start of the pandemic, a lot of people cancelled at the last yeah. minute. Some people aborted in, in the middle of that trip. So it's definitely uh, been rewarded with a bumper attendance. Yeah, and if you remember that, they also figured that that was part of the reason that we had a COVID spike. Is there talk about that this time round? 60 or 70,000 people moving around like that? Not a mention. And I know that figures have spiked in Scotland and the UK, but there hasn't been a mention of COVID here all week. Um, and, you know, I, I've been going to race meetings now through the lockdown as well when there was very stringent, because um, horse racing was the first sport to start up, there was very stringent um, uh, protocols in place. But uh, it would appear it, it, COVID is now very much a distant memory, uh, judging by the huge crowds yesterday and, you know, not a, not a whimper about COVID all day. And are the pubs busy and the restaurants and the hotels and the on-course facilities? Everybody ate their steak sandwiches on, on, and drinking yeah. pints of stout? Yeah, on-course facilities would be really, really busy. Um, queues for drinks and food outlets. It's like a mini village, Cheltenham, the, the race course. There's also trade outlets as well. So it's a fantastic day for people who maybe not, aren't necessarily into the racing itself. There's a, a huge array of tented villages and uh, restaurants and shops and um, kind of prices to cater for, from fine dining right down to fast food. Yeah, yeah. And um, champagne bars, cocktail bars, gin bars. Guinness bars, Guinness tents, and obviously Patrick's Day then, of course, would coincide with huge uh, trade as well because they make a big deal about Patrick's Day. Today is Ladies' Day at Cheltenham. It was Ladies' Day yesterday with Rachel Blackmore, wasn't it? It was. It was a a magical moment because um, Honeysuckle has won at the last two Cheltenham festivals. She won the Mayor's Hurdle two years ago. She won the Champion Hurdle last year. But sadly, last year, there were no people there. And yesterday, the, the roar, I've been coming to Cheltenham for the many roar, years. The and roar. that roar was reminiscent of when Dawn Run won the Gold <laughs> Cup um, um, back in, in the 80s. So it, it was a magical moment. And there was chance of ole ole. Um, it, it just, it, the, the roof really lifted when, when she won yesterday. And it was the first Irish winner of the afternoon as well. The English had won the opening three races. So... It certainly set the tone for the rest of the and day. As and as for, for today, I know you mentioned Ladies' Day. You're talking about that the fashion will be out and the style will be out and the hats will be out, is it? It would, but it wouldn't be maybe like in the League of Royal Ascot during the summer. The real fashion icons hit the parade maybe for the flat racing, which has always had a, a touch of silk and class and been known as the sport of kings, flat racing. Uh, today would be big, but it's raining as I speak here, um, which... Might put some people off a little uh, bit. Yeah, but, but everyone yeah, has really, their really eye on the. Would be big, but yeah, everyone has their eye on the tiger, isn't that right? Yeah, you see, the, the big race today is actually the champion chase for quality, and 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 that actually has a Cork-owned horse in it, Shishkin. Joe Donnelly um, owns that horse. Joe has been very fortunate. He, he's one of the leading art collectors in, in in Europe, and he's also been one of the leading national hunt owners in recent times. He's now based in France, but Shishkin, his horse, has never been beaten, a bit like Honeysuckle. The only time he's been beaten is when he fell in, in Newbury on, on his hurdling debut, but he's the favourite for the big race today. He's English trained. Nicky Henderson trains him, who's already had two winners of the meeting, yeah. but he's owned by Joe Donnelly, who also has a horse in the Gold Cup on Friday, uh, Album Photo, who won the Gold Cup twice in recent years. So Joe is, is the Cork connection with the day. But you mentioned Tiger Roll. He runs in the cross-country race. And while this wouldn't be a race for the purists, it'll be a race for the, the fairy tale writers, really, because Tiger Roll has run at seven festivals. He's won this race 
on three occasions. He also won the Triumph Hurdle and the National Hunt Race. Won two National Grand Hunt Nationals, race, didn't he? He won two Grand Nationals as well and might have won a third but for the the, the pandemic. And he, he's an amazing horse, but he hasn't been in great form in his prep races. But the vibes have been very good about him in the last, 48 hours from, from his trainer, Gordon Elliott, who we remember was suspended this time last year after the much-documented issue when, when he sat on a dead horse. But yeah. uh, Tiger Roll, of course, is owned by Michael O'Leary of, of Ryanair. And Michael was a huge investor in, in, in national hunt racing. But in the last couple of years, he stopped um, buying, really. So he's coming down to his last few horses, so to speak. But, is, but Tiger is, Roll, if he wins today, will be retired. And I think the cheer today would be just incredible. Whether is he an old horse then? Like, would he be old and slowing up? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, he's a 12-year-old now, generally speaking. horses. Some horses can go on until they're 15, jumping fences, yeah. but generally speaking, around 12, they're, they're coming to the end of the journey. And he's a lot of miles on the clock as well, but he comes alive in Cheltenham. The rain that's coming at the moment would be against him slightly, but the course was very quick yesterday, and it's a cross-country race, which is run on the inside of the, of the track. They finish on, on, on the on the regular track, but uh, he comes alive at Cheltenham. This is a unique race. Not every horse takes the cross country. Yeah. They jump banks and ditches. It's not a regular race. It's not a race for professional punters wouldn't be keen in betting in this race, but the once-a-year punters would. And yeah. I'd imagine Tiger will have the public support that's, in volumes today. That's so true. You put it so well because I was reading this morning that Tiger Roll has earned punters in the region of half a billion euro over the course of his career in betting wins. Isn't that an amazing figure? Half a billion. Yeah, I, I was I mean, an entry when, when he won his... Yeah, I was an entry when he won his second Grand National and it was one of the greatest sporting moments I've ever attended. The atmosphere, I didn't back him. Uh, I actually didn't think he'd win given, given he was carrying a lot of weight that day. But he's just an incredible horse. He's a unique horse. He, he wasn't always a natural jumper early in his career but he just comes alive in places like Aintree and Cheltenham, whereas at regular mainstream tracks, he's not maybe as effective. Um, but, you know, today it would be brilliant. Oh, uh, my just, God. There'd be some Cheltenham a, roar, a wouldn't there? Spectacle if he won. Yeah, some Cheltenham the roar. roar of, of the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what's your plan then? Are you there? Are you heading there? Have you had the, the full Irish yet or what? I've, I've had the full Irish. I'll be heading to Cheltenham uh, in the next uh, half hour. Um one of the other big talking points here this week has been the we talk about the escalation in in energy prices. Hotel prices in Cheltenham have been crazy. Um, basic hotels like the Holiday Inn Express charging six hundred and fifty sterling a night. Um, Mother of uh, God! You know, you, this time next week you could pay seventy two sterling for the same room. Uh, Cheltenham has always been noted for you know escalating prices, but they've they've gone to new. Oh, well, that's gone completely off the charts, isn't um, it? So it's forced a lot of people maybe to stay in, in surrounding areas. Gloucester is, is nearby. That, that's I'm staying close to Cheltenham and Gloucester, and and even those places have started to jump on the the, the rip off bandwagon. I know. As well. We'd be better off putting yeah. a duvet in the back of the van. Yeah, it could be an idea. Obviously, um, a, a lot of people put turn their houses into B and Bs in Cheltenham, and they're all getting you know maybe two hundred two hundred a night just for a room without breakfast. So. Um, any old, t- any old tip for us then? Well, today, um, Fishkin is obviously going to be a short price. He's the likeliest winner of the, the champion chase. There's another short price favourite in the first race. Sir Gerhard, this horse was with Gordon Elliott uh, up until uh, the time he was uh, suspended. 
and he's owned by Chievely Park Stud, who are a very wealthy um, stud outlet in the UK. They have all their horses now with Irish trainers. He's with Willie Mullins. He, he's favourite to to win the opening race. Um, so there's no money on the favourite, Joe. Person. There's no money on the favourite. We want an eight to yeah, one. Well, later later in the week, later in the week, if you're looking for a value bet, perhaps on Friday. JP McManus, good to see him back at Cheltenham yesterday. He has a, a mare called Ellie May, and she was just touched off last year by a horse owned by the Flynn family who own uh, the Imperial Hotel in Cork. Uh, their mare could really beat her last year, but Ellie May is on a retrieval mission this year, <laughs> and on Friday, I think she'll take a lot of beating in the mayor's novices chase, in the mayor's chase, sorry, which uh, was run for the first time last year. So I think on Friday, if you're patient, she might be one of the, the better bets of the meeting. All right. on Thursday. Is seen as the is as seen as the banker of the meeting for many people. But keep an eye out on uh, Ellie May. Mark Walsh will be riding that for Willie Mullins on Friday, and that Ellie might be May, more of a Ellie May is the horse to watch then with the connection to the Imperial Hotel. Get your skates on, then no, off you well, go. It, 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 yeah. It, it, be, it, be, it was beaten by the Imperial Hotel last year, oh, but it's owned by J.P. McManus. Oh, and um, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's one to watch on Friday. It, she's a mayor. She's a diminutive mayor. She, she, she won in Nace recently. I saw her winning. She came back with a cut in her leg, but I gather she's in super form. And J.P. McManus loves having winners in Cheltenham. And uh, that's their perceived banker of the meeting. And hopefully, and hopefully we will deliver a few wins for people over the next few days. All right. Enjoy the festival, Joe. Thanks for taking the call as always. Appreciate it, my friend. All the best. Cheers, Neil. Take Have care. Text 86 Jordan Bracken will give us some bets on day two at Cheltenham between now and midday. Sorry, my apologies. That uh, that should not have happened there. I have to reset all of those. I actually do some texts if you don't mind while Mark resets that. My apologies. Actually, you know, I mentioned earlier on um, an outbreak at uh, a nursing home and that prompted an email from Linda. And uh, I know that we touched on recently topics with regards to uh, an inquiry. Families calling for a public inquiry into nursing home deaths. And she made a very interesting couple of points to me by email because she said it was listening. My mother was in a nursing home in County Dublin and we are one of the families calling for a public inquiry into nursing home deaths. My mother Florence died in the first wave, the 23rd of April 2020. We were never left, we never left the nursing home from the time I was called and told that she wasn't well on the 9th of April. We stayed outside her window 24-7, even staying in cars outside. I asked for her to be tested, but was told the HSC had stopped the testing and just to assume that residents had it. They did eventually test her on the 16th of April, and I was told on the 18th that she was positive. Actually, I had to ring them for results. My brother and I had been allowed into her over these two weeks. Um, uh, the rest of the time was spent outside her window, about 15 of us outside the window, sometimes all huddled together. During WhatsApp calls before the 9th, there were staff with no masks, And when we were there, staff members were asleep in full PPE in the day room with the residents sleeping on other couches, overflowing bins with used masks, gloves, etc. in a room that was supposed to be PPE free. From the start, we were told she would be checked every hour. This never happened. Towards her last few days, we were told she would be checked every 15 minutes. This didn't happen. There were times when it looked like she was struggling to breathe as I looked through the window. I had to run around the outside of the building looking for someone to check her, finally having to phone them from outside to inform them that she was struggling. I was lucky enough to be holding her hand when she died, while the rest of my family huddled outside the window. 
And my brother in Australia watched on his phone, watched his mother die on his phone. Nobody else got to hold her hand or to say goodbye properly to her. She was put in a coffin and that was it. The public inquiry we're calling for must be heard. We families need answers to be finally able to grieve for our loved ones. Our relatives need to be seen as people, not numbers, not victims. They were our parents, our husbands and our wives. I hope at some stage you get time to read this out on air. Kind regards, Linda Maples. On her behalf, on the family's behalf and indeed on her mother's behalf. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. New year, new number for Neil. 0818-104-106. And we'll be talking with uh, many, many people between now and midday, but I also want to get some uh, music on the air because we're not here tomorrow. So with St. Patrick's Day tomorrow, I wanted to celebrate a bit of Irishness. And we have a trad session for you. Derek Burke of Crystal Swing fame also uh, plays a lot of trad. And he's accompanied by Danny O'Leary, Danny Deneen, and also will be playing here in studio with us in about a half an hour's time. But I'm delighted to say that the renowned Irish Illan piper David Power has travelled all the way from County Waterford, from the foot of the Camara Mountains, they tell me. And you got here. Safely. Delighted to be here. The tunnel was a bit backed up, I have to say. <laughs> you made your way through the Dunkettle roundabout, what have you? I did, of course, yeah. And uh, found my way to Bishopstown. Fair is play. This, is this Bishopstown? It is, yeah. Is Bishopstown it? stroke Curraheen. Oh, yeah. And there's a, there's a piper in Bishopstown, you know, called oh, John Mitchell. That's right. And his sister Mary, who works in UCC, who also plays the pipes. I see you have a lot of pipers listening to you this morning. Oh, well, we'll see. <laughs> the word is out there. So let's let's get stuck in, will we? And we'll chat a little bit in a minute. But For sure. We, we really are talking about Ireland's traditional instrument, aren't we? It is, yeah. I mean, like, it's so unique uh, by comparison to the harp, which, you know, is on the all the official paperwork and everything else. The pipes is completely and totally unique to Ireland. So it it, uh, it wins the prize, really. Yeah. And they go back hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah, late, I guess, late 1700s was when they developed, as you see them now. And uh, they've been more or less in the same sort of condition or shape yeah, since yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. Ilan, Ilan as in union or elbow pipe? Elbow pipes, Ilan, and union kind of is a disputed term which used to be there and it's not used so much anymore, but yeah. interchangeable, I suppose. Okay, okay. Well, let's get stuck into a bit of traditional Irish for the weekend, the week ahead. Yeah, so I'll play a couple of jigs for you, Neil. First one. And they're very traditional and very pipey. You probably know them. <laughs> Gareth Barry's jig and the Rogra Dove. I'm interested to hear this now because my version of Gareth Barry's and yours will be very different.
feel like just lying down on the ground and crying. <laughs> Will I ever be able to play like that? <laughs> well, it's, it was wonderful news to hear this morning that you actually are a piper. Oh my God. And a player. I would play Garrett Barry's and link into the Hag and the Churn with that, but you yeah. went somewhere else. Ah, yeah. Well, <laughs> sir. And actually, that set of tunes uh, that I'm playing there is, you know, very traditional. It very, is, yeah, yeah. Very There's so much piping. going on there now. You got all of the drones going and all three regulators. It's like a little, almost a small orchestra. Orchestra, yeah. It used to be known as the Irish organ when it was sort of patronised by churches who couldn't afford an organ and they would actually get, uh, you know, often the blind Irish piper to yeah. come in and play it, you know, organ-wise with the regulators and everything yeah. so that it would sort of uh, uh, kind of... Sound as if it was as if, yeah, a church or, organ, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. B- behave as the organ or whatever. But, and, and as well, for hundreds of years, of course, there were many traveller pipers, not just across Ireland, but across America as well. And they made a living out of it. And not all of them were men, there were women too. Yeah, I think probably like the, the Irish dancing master, that travelling was essential in order to, you know, to sort of get uh, an income from it. And as, as I said, that the, some of the harpers were blind. It was considered to be a... Uh, a profession for somebody who might have had blindness. Blindness was more common back in, yeah. in those times. Yeah. Uh, same for a piper. But yeah. they would travel and there would be big excitement in a local community. When yeah, at a local home. fair or a race meeting or a yeah. market or a town where there, was when there was somebody coming along. And like the most famous example in recent times is the piper Johnny Dorn, who used to travel around yeah. to all the football yeah. and hurling matches yeah. And, yeah. and fairs. Yeah. As well. And yeah. your set now, would that be an old set? That's a brand new. Well, brand new. It was made for me in 2000. And Thirteen um, in upstate New York. So you're talking eighteen to twenty grand there all day long, aren't you? More. That is, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not. It's not a temperamental beast. Bespoke like. um, mammoth ivory mounts, silver, ebony of the best, everything of the best, and fashioned into an instrument that uh, that does everything that I wanted. Yeah. To, you know? Yeah. But you only turned pro in your forties, did you? Yeah. I mean, I was playing music all my life, but. Uh, you know the practicalities of family and everything. Rare children, yeah, yeah. Meant that uh, it. I, I chose to do different things, many different things over the years, and then uh, I guess in 2013 or 14 there was opportunities coming out of. I was playing a lot with Martin Hayes and some of his ensembles, including Martin O'Connor and others like that. And we ended up going to the Sydney Opera House and amazing. Yeah, we had lots of fun. And he wanted me to do more touring and it just wasn't possible uh, with the full-time job as a primary school teacher I had at that time. Yeah, so yeah. actually Liam O'Flynn did the same. He same. was teaching before he decided to go for it with Planksty. For sure, you know, and, you know, Christy Moore in the bank and yeah. all the rest of it. So. Yeah, like uh, there was a period, I remember in the in the mid-80s when I got a first set of pipes yeah. that there was hardly anyone making pipes and there was very few people actually even playing. Piping, funnily enough, even though, you know, Nepi Breelan in Dublin is always talking about like how... You know, many pipers there are now. And they exploded. Thousands. Um, on some level, it's always on life support. You know what I mean? Because it always depends on an individual. Somebody who's got the kind of... And talk to me about that. Was it Liam O'Flynn breathed more life into it, do you think? Liam O'Flynn certainly did. Paddy Maloney did his work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Paddy Maloney did incredible work internationally. But then soundtracks with like a lesser known piper in, in, um, in Hollywood on Braveheart and films yeah, like that. Yeah, you know? I remember for me it was it was Liam O'Flynn um, in the Brendan Voyage. That's Brendan what prompted me to get the first set. Sound of the pipes that Liam was playing were just stunningly beautiful. And who would you say was the best living p- piper, living or dead? Um, I mean, for me, it's James Ennis. He takes the prize every single time. But uh, Mick O'Brien in Dublin is a great piper of... Paddy Keenan. Paddy Keenan, great. Um, 
Jimi Hendrix on the pipes, they call him. Yeah, I mean, he had his kind of heyday with the Bothy Band. Incredible um, pipe. You know, that. probably reached the dizzy heights then and maybe never since kind of reached them, you yeah, know, to me, I would yeah. say. But uh, a great piper and has done some amazing things. Amazing, sure. amazing. Yeah. He just looks so cool as well with the big and cowboy Dave's hat. And Spillane. And Spillane did it as well with Hearts, didn't he? And moving Hearts and David Spillane was just like so inspirational for and me. And that, that then, yeah. many people got bitten by the bug, young people, didn't they? So, well, that's a cool instrument. Moving Hearts with David Spillane up in front and, I mean, he, there was other pipers playing with them as well. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the other man now. I can't at the moment. But uh, like, it was like a rock band with the Ellen Pipes That's in, right. the, in yeah. the lead guitar And the role. cheer then yeah. when the pipes will come in yeah. for any hearts number. I, um, Nag- Hiroshima. Hiroshima, yeah, yeah. Russian yeah, roulette, yeah, like yeah. just incredible. Yeah. And the speed that they were playing at. <laughs> Would it even put you in awe of the speed of them? I loved it. And I used to play along with the records when I was a teenager, you know, dreaming like that I was up there on the stage. Oh my God, I could talk all day. But you're here to play and earn your supper. I know you're playing the Triscoll next week, are you? Triscoll with a fabulous new outfit. Um, flamenco guitarist, Ireland's top flamenco guitarist, John Walsh. That's and an interesting combo, isn't it? Flamenco he, and, and pipes? You'd never have thought it, but he was... Maria Gaynor from Cork, who's originally from Finland, but has been in Cork for many years. Um, she and I were playing together in Dublin and John was on the same bill. And when we saw him, I, I'd been watching him for a while, but when I saw him live and I saw what he could do, I said, I got to sit down. I think it will work way. because I, I listen to piping an awful lot and I see a lot of bluegrass in pipes. Bluegrass, I see a lot of American country in pipes. Jazz elements and he's got, I mean, he can do all those things as well. The musicianship is obscene. What himself and Mary can do now when they sit down to arrange Are tickets stuff. available for that gig next T- week? Tickets are available at Triscoll. Um, is it like middle of the week? When is it? TriscoArtsCentre.ie. Uh, it's the tw- Saturday the 26th. It's Fair play. You, I mean, you're a long way from the Sydney Opera House of playing on Broadway, but it's great to have you on Lee's side. You can be sure of that. Are you getting much work now for St. Patrick's or for the next week? Is there um, any- St. Patrick's is a funny old day for, for people who play Irish music all year long. You know what I mean? Because it's Green Pints and all the rest of it. But um, there, are, there are gigs around St. Patrick's and it's kind of the start of the season for musicians. So, like, nothing much happens in January, February. People start to wake up. March is it. So that's why we've, we're doing gigs at the moment. I mean... On the 27th, I'm in the National Concert Hall with Matt Martin Hayes the day after. And um, before that, um, Bonnie Prince Charlie is coming into Waterford and I have to play for him. <laughs> and, you know, so anyway, it's, it's all kicking off. What are you going to play for him, a nation once Do again, is it? <laughs> Do not know. All right, I'll get strapped up there. We'll have another tune Perhaps. and I'll get details of the gig for next week. We'll come back after the break. David Power, delighted to have one of Ireland's finest pipers in studio this morning. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. With the Irish piper David Power in studio playing a few tunes for us ahead of the St. Patrick's Festival. They're temperamental whores though, aren't they? For I mean, sure, they really yeah. break your heart. Yeah, and actually, I think before I got this, we'll say f- my final sort of um, go-to set for all sort of most jobs um, I probably bought and sold seven or maybe eight sets over the intervening 20 years trying to get the, the Holy Grail, you know. Uh, you got there. Ah, yeah. Let's hear the Holy Grail then, shall we? David Power.
you're the Rory Gallagher of the vibes. <laughs> they just lift your spirits, don't they? Yeah, well, it's incredible. It's great, uh, it's great going, am I right? Oh my God, you're in rare form this morning, in fairness to you. Ah, thanks very much. You've earned a cup of Barry's tea before your trip back Barry's to Waterford. <laughs> they were a bit of French roast from the English market, maybe. There you go, stop off and do a bit of shopping. <laughs> David, thank you so much a for pleasure, coming Neil. up Very to pleasure. celebrate our Irishness. Now, he's playing the Triscoll Art Centre on the 18th, uh, sorry, it says tickets are between 18 and 20 euro for Saturday the 26th of March. So it's Saturday week. Saturday week, um, John Walsh on flamenco guitar, Mario Gaynor, who the whole of Cork knows, and all our new music, and it's fab. And a great location. Uh, Triscoll, you couldn't, I mean... I'd it's pre- just gorgeous. I'd, I'd nearly prefer it than the National Gospel. <laughs> <laughs> what about the Sydney Opera House? Uh, I might probably be cushioning it a little bit. All right, he's packing up, he's heading off. Well Thanks done, great much, to Neil. see you. Thank you, David Power. And he plays, of course, Saturday week, the 26th of March. Tickets at triscollartcentre.ie or on the phone on 021 2022. Meanwhile, ahead of the festivities, uh, don't go away because I need to swap mobile numbers with you. So hang on out there for a couple of seconds. Thanks, David. The first time in two years that Corkonians are set to celebrate our national day tomorrow. And we'll chat more uh, with uh, those that will be part of the parade in a few minutes' time, including the Grand Marshal. But just ahead of that, Seamus took to the streets of Cork yesterday to see how people are going to be celebrating uh, St. Patrick's Day this year. Have an aged. So you want to go to a real party? I haven't made a decision yet on that. <laughs> but hopefully we'll be out. So uh, you want to get a move on? You've only got another day or two. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we'll be going somewhere alright. No, uh, no doubt about that. Since we didn't celebrate the last two years, so we have to do something. So will you be coming into the parade? Um, well... I have two girls, but they're grown up. Uh, but we might come in and have a wander around and stop off and have a beverage. <laughs> or sure, two. would you be able to get into the, the places for the beverage? Uh, Are sure. there that many here? Sure, we'll, we'll suss it out anyway and uh, we'll find some some little high stooler <laughs> that will give us a, a drink, so we'll do something. Well, we're on a, we're not sure over there from England. We're just going to do one more. And I celebrate St. Patrick's Day every, every year because my father was called Patrick and he was from County Clare. Now, so oh, happy days. So we tend to celebrate by drinking lots of Guinness. <laughs> I will go to the parade. I like the parade. And rumour has it for the first time in 20 years we're going to have good weather, which is going to be brilliant. Because every year you see all the different international communities, the African, the Philippines, they're all dressed in their lovely costumes and it'll ash is raining on them and it kills it. So this year, hopefully... I'm working on for years, that's a bad start. Well, but, but when we go for the beat afterwards. Yeah, yeah it's and our you, daughter's birthday. It's our daughter's birthday as well. So, so yeah. Um, yeah, so we do something in the evening. Then, uh, yeah, so. Then we go to the plate at one o'clock. Yeah, I can't wait, yeah, I can't wait for that actually. Already I'm making a good plan for it. So the plan is to uh, have to take a day off, take all the family around it. So we celebrate it, we enjoy. And after two years, no party's day. So to this uh, this week, we will be all celebrating that. I don't know yet. I have to. Uh, the doors are to wait for the doors to get out to be see what we're doing. We're waiting for someone to bring us out. If not, we'll have it at home. No. <laughs> but you're, uh, you're probably out of practice anyway because we haven't had it in the last two years. It's the first year. Ah, we won't be not getting into it. No fairness. We always can have it at home. We'll be not getting into it. Going to Galway. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Golly. Yeah. I know. I know. Why not Cork to celebrate Patrick's we, Day? We didn't no, know. How it was. We just got here yesterday. We're dumb American tourists. <laughs> I don't know. And like, have you been to? Is this your first Patrick's Day in yeah, Ireland? Yeah. yeah, this is our first St. Patrick's Day in Ireland. Do you celebrate it back back home? Um, we actually do. Chicago. We're from Chicago, and they do a big parade and dye the river green, and it's a bit of a time. But you missed that two days ago, then, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, we missed it. We chose Ireland instead. Do you think there'd be more crack here in Ireland? One hundred percent. I hope we won't let you down. Um, I'm going to be working for it, unfortunately, but I'll hopefully head out after. And what do you normally do on a Paddy's Day when you're not working? <laughs> How would you celebrate it? Head to the pub, usually go to town. If there's a club open, I'll probably head there after. Oh, what about yourself? Uh, yeah, the same, drinking. <laughs> you know, simple as really, isn't it? There is talk that we should go yellow and blue to support... Those in the Ukraine. Should we give up our national day for that? You know, you can't say anything anymore. You can't say anything anymore, and somebody is gonna. I could say something wrong now, and, and somebody's gonna get offended. I don't know. I really don't know. But we should celebrate St. Patrick's Day, and if some people want to mark something by uh, wearing blue or something, that's their choice. But we should incorporated into a float in the parade. Yeah, but we certainly shouldn't stop uh, our green because that's who we are, you know. And maybe we should wear something to mark the war that's gone on in Yemen or Afghanistan or the 300,000 poor Iraqi women and children that were killed by America a while ago. Like, there's a lot of atrocities. They should all stop. This is just another one. It's never-ending, isn't it? It's our national day, really, and it's about uh, celebrating that. But in the same time, obviously, we empathise with the people of, of Ukraine and we show our solidarity by um, at least... Uh, in any way that we can, in a, by displaying their colours and um, contributing to the fund, obviously, as well. We have to as well to support them as well, and we have to as well to wear, get in a green and white as well, too, with it. So, so incorporate both okay. into the project? Both at the same time, yes. Yes, celebrate the Paddy's Day. And we support Ukraine as well, too. Yes, indeed. So you'll see a lot more colours than just tri-colours tomorrow. You'll see Ukrainian colours as well. And the parade uh, is the big spectacular event. I know that lots of towns and villages and uh, oh, many, many different communities are having their own smaller parades. And I've been giving shout-outs about those all week long. But the big one tomorrow uh, and uh, Master of Ceremonies is our own Rob Heffernan. And he popped in. We were just chatting off air there because you're saying the Barrack Street Band are playing. But we've got a bit yeah. of a, we have a question. Which is older? The Baraka or the Buttera? I'd say the Barrack. I don't know. 1837 for the Barrack Street Band? You're not going to get much older than that, eh? I know. And maybe somebody will let us know when the Buttera, because I'd say both of them, knowing both of them, they both claim, the fe- claim we'll, to fame. We'll find out no soon enough. All right, so you're all ready to go, are you? Gra- I'm bu- do you know what? You were Neil, Grand Marshal in 2019. I was the longest running ever Grand National, or Grand Marshal for the parade. But I've missed so many parades. And I've been away from Cork so long over my career. Carm is great. This is really made up for it, you know. And the weather will be nice. The weather's going to be lovely. And there's going to be a big buzz. I think it's going to be the biggest buzz of a parade ever after what we've gone through the last few years. Absolutely. And I've just come down from St. Patrick's School there. We did a walk for St. Patrick's Day. And the buzz up there in the school is incredible as well. So it's, it's just give a bit of a flavour for tomorrow. Yeah, you got into a bit of hot water this morning with a certain Darrow Brian, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Have a listen to this. I am technically the 
longest living <laughs> Grand Marshal oh, of the Oh, here we go. Here no, we like, go. I haven't <laughs> mentioned it before, but Hang technically on, I'm three years. Let's <laughs> dig into that. You're the longest living yeah, Grand Marshal. Like the Grand Marshal. Well, giant mysterious. I'm wilting. I'm wilting. Three years, my tenure has been like. Oh, fine. Okay. So you. So I actually know I'm not dead. Let me describe. You're the longest running. Running Grand Marshal. Not longest living. It's not like. Well, we've had a series of unfortunate accidents. You know, I mean, it's a risky gig, but it's a really, it's like the Hunger Games. I mean, you will live on in glory if you do this well, but um, so many of them have been trampled by American bands uh, and died for Grand Marshal. It's an incredibly dangerous job. If you're, if you're Grand Marshal of the Cork St. Patrick's Day Parade, you die afterwards. Uh, it's very intimidating being in here with him. When you look at Irishmen uh, gone abroad, and he's such a superstar in here in studio this see morning. the talent there now? He was able to go off on he one was. there. I don't know. He didn't know where he was going. Well, but he's it, a funny guy. Uh, you can't challenge him because he's just brilliant. Like, so I was, oh no, why is this after happening to oh me? Oh my God. Now, Colin O'Sullivan will be broadcasting live on Red FM as well. From where? I think Golden Discs. Golden Discs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and it's streamed also. It's streamed also. Yeah. So, around the world. So, we'll have massive record viewership. It's going to be, yeah. What time is the off? It's kicking off at one o'clock. That's a good time to go, isn't it? I think that's it a good is. time. People kicking off at one o'clock. We have a table booked in um, Soho in for three for chicken wings and Kara <laughs> and Laura and the kids and Marion. So yeah, it's going to be a lovely day. Uh, well, enjoy your day. Undoubtedly, you'll be looking well. I think Dave's looking after you. I so am. I'm going up to give you a green tie. Yeah, I'm getting a suit there now off my old buddy Dave. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm heading up to him straight after this. So I'll, I'll, I'll be looking dapper as well. Well, enjoy it, man. You deserve it. Well Thanks done. very much. Good to see you. our own Rob Heffernan, Master of Ceremonies uh, for tomorrow's St. Patrick's Day Parade. He will not die thereafter. In studio, we have Derek Burke, Danny O'Leary and Danny Deneen. Would it be awful if I asked you to jump in and just get stuck into a tune? This is live radio after all. I'll open up your mics and we'll give it holly. No problem at all. Good to see you all, guys. And good to see you too. Um, We're delighted to be in studio and no problem at all. We'll kick it straight off. We'll kick it straight off indeed. And when I hear you singing now, we'll do a little one. It's called The Galway Girl. Is that fair enough? We'll keep it nice and Irishy. Let's hear everybody singing in their cars as they're driving along. Goes like this. I took a stroll down the old I'm a walk of a D-I-E-I-E. Met a little girl and we stopped at the top of a fine stop D-I-E. And it's different. What's a fella to do? If her hair was black and her eyes were blue. Here's Jenny O'Leary on the banjo for you now. We were halfway there when the rain came down of D-I-E-I-A. Asked me up to the flat downtown of Pines of D-I-E. And it's different. What's a fella to do? If her hair was black and her eyes so blue I'd be right there I'd be taking a whirl Round the song tip rapper with me gone Here's the belly garret man for you Teddy Dean
never woke up, he was all alone. With a broken heart and a ticket home of a fine Saturday. How I'll ask you, Neil. What? What's a fella to do? I've a clue. What's he to do? I've a clue. If her hair was blue and her eyes were black, what? You see, you're totally right. I mean, I'll love this world. I never seen nothing like the Cock City Girls. Here we go, all right. the two Dennys the Banjo Denny and Danny on the Mandalorian fair play to you. <laughs> hang in there we'll come back in a couple of seconds time another couple of tunes to celebrate our Irishness uh, that's the Galway girl I suppose we might do something with the car connection to it you'd never know yes yeah yeah exactly wouldn't it be lovely <laughs> wouldn't it <laughs> meanwhile talking about car connections Martin O'Driscoll chairman of the Blood Bike, Blood Bike South is the Grand Marshal tomorrow joins me by phone Martin good morning Good morning, Neil. Thanks very much for having me. And not at all. And congratulations. It's a great honour for you and all of the gang. You looking forward to it? Yeah, yeah, we certainly are. It's been a long time since we've had a parade. So, is there a particular uh, theme tomorrow? There's a particular theme to it tomorrow, isn't there? Yeah, it's uh, it's local heroes. So it's uh, all those people who during the pandemic you know, went above and beyond, and uh, the amount like loads of people volunteered for for things that a lot of people wouldn't know about. But we were operating anyway. But uh, yeah, we kind of stepped up our game, all right. During and do you think that you certainly did more so than ever? I'd say, yeah. Yeah, we were pretty busy, all right, especially at the beginning when the uh, the lab infrastructure wasn't set up, so everything had to go to Dublin. So we were up and down every night, middle of the night, uh, the midnight runs, we used to call them. On your bikes, with things like blood, samples, medication, equipment, um, medicine, all sorts of things like that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, pretty much anything that uh, the hospital wants us to carry, and if we can fit it on a bike in a car, we'll carry it. Um, and also... Individual families as well sometimes, you know, people who have sick children um, and their children might be up in, you know, in Dublin, the Children's Hospital, and they'll need things brought up for them or, or samples brought up or breast milk is very often one of the ones. Breast milk, I saw that, yeah, donor yeah. milk, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, donor milk is uh, collected around the country and uh, the milk bank and then the skillet then processes and then they ship it back to the hospitals ready for use to the neonatal units. So tell me, how many it. voluntary motorcyclists? Uh, there's about 65 active volunteers at the moment. Um, uh, not all of them bikers. So we have a car as well that was donated by Blackwater Motors. So uh, we we have car drivers as well who who uh, roll in and, and do their bit as needs but, be. Uh, yeah, just working away very quietly in the background, keeping it lit. And do you think that tomorrow, heroes, ordinary people, are in extraordinary times? There will be people marching. There'll be other people in the parade, similar to heroes Absolutely. like your good self. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like when you think about it, at the, in the early days of the pandemic, there was people going around delivering medication to people, 
um, who couldn't, you know, who were who were isolating and couldn't get their medication or couldn't go into yeah. places. Yeah. It was we heard the stories. Trans- yeah. yeah, yeah, people transporting other people, and you know, there was, and as well, then there was the whole PPE projects that went around the country that mm. we were involved in as well, and that was just, I think, everyone was feeling a bit helpless, and and you know, anything they could do to contribute, they did, and you know, there was amazing work done. Uh, in will the you guys feature your? Will you be on bikes tomorrow? Some of your gang. Uh, we'll be on bikes initially to, to clear the route like we've done for the last few years. So we usually were the guys who quiz past and everyone goes, where's the rest of the parade? Um, <laughs> and this year, uh, this year we'll do the same thing, but then we'll, we'll come around and we'll walk. So, uh, people will actually see our faces for once. And that's well, thankfully the weather will be on your side. Now, I believe it starts on the Mall, doesn't it? It's a one o'clock kickoff, yeah. isn't it? Would that take that's them more on the Mall up Grand Parade then, is it? Yeah, and then up Patrick Street and up the Fires Merchants Quay, and that's uh, the end point then. Okay, it's a great honour for you, but it's not without its due because you did great work over the past couple of years. Enjoy your day. It's a great honour for you, and congratulations on it, Martin. Thank you very much, and we certainly will. We'll say hello to everybody on the day. We'll be waving at you. Big wave. (laughs) Drive safely and big wave. Look after yourself. Cheers, my man. So that's uh, Martin O'Driscoll from Blood Bike South, Grand Marshal for tomorrow's parade. Get in nice and early, actually, because I think it's going to be a very, very busy one because people were denied it for a couple of years. Right, Derek and the two Dannys, have you given it some thought for me? (laughs) We sure have, Neil, and thanks for having us on. Yeah, this is Danny O'Leary here from Dunmanway with me today, and also have Danny Deneen as well here uh, from Belly Garvin, so we're delighted. Uh, I'm delighted to have the two lads with me. Very good. Yeah, I'm geeking an awful lot. Um, Neil, it's my full-time job. I'm out in the road all the time so um, like this weekend is very busy I do an awful lot of work through um, um, Elsha and Owen and live music promotions um, and like this weekend now like I'm in the Reckharmuck Inn on Paddy's Night um, on Friday then I have two gigs I'm in Gilders and Carrick Tool and into the Leaping Salmon and Black Rock oh that the night. Leaping Salmon you know, the Leaping love Salmon with Owen I, yeah, I, I love being up there also then on Saturday um, I have two gigs again I'm doing um, I'm doing a gig for Cockstroke Support Charity and then on to Butterfield after that and then on the Sunday I'm in Crosshaven um, and the two lads then of course they would have all their own gigs as well they're all uh, they're full time musicians as well so independent Danny, operators yeah yeah exactly I know Danny is in um, he's in uh, Aunties and Tower over the weekend and um, um, and I know Danny Janine is playing all over the weekend as well he was great to be back I'd oh, say it's it? great oh my god like we were so long uh, sitting at home waiting to I get know, going and just for all this to I know I was chatting with Durbin mm. a few weeks back at Crystal Swing doing Absolutely. anything um, do you know O'Neill yes you were talking with Dervil and come here thanks very much it, all, it raised man. a huge subject I, I as you know did. you I know, did, yeah. um, and it's been brilliant oh my god she's uh, she's been inundated with calls but you know I suppose uh, Christmas Wing had to we had to pull back a lot because of one reason obviously it would have been Paul you know and that and kind Durbley, of stuff yeah, as well yeah. and Dervil you know she can't be away as much I as sure she enough. was you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I suppose look yeah so it just kind of naturally progressed and I'm doing an awful lot of gigs now myself um, and we, just, we still the, do the odd few things as Christmas Wing but, you're flying the flag for Christmas Wing and doing the best you can it's great it's great all right, gentlemen. Back. Let's uh, let's we hear some else? more for the okay. season. Sure, look, we'll it. do a song this time, I suppose, and it's a uh, it's a song. No matter what bar or hotel or wherever you go around Ireland, everybody will know the words of this one. It's a little one. It's called Grace, and it goes like this: As we gathered in the chapel here in Old Kilmainham Jail, I think about. These past few days Oh, will they Say we failed From our school days They have told us 
We must yearn for liberty. Yet all I want in this dark day is to have you here with me. You'll all know the words of it. Let me hear you. Just hold me in your arms and let this moment linger. They'll take me out at dawn and I will die. With all my love, I place this wedding ring upon your finger. There won't be time to share our love for we must say here's the two Dannys take it away lads Like not only is he baiting away on the banjo, but he's playing the tin whistle as well at the same ah, time. Sure, look, I know, and you know what? Like, I suppose this is the thing with a lot of us musicians. We don't get to play a lot with each other. We're all kind of solo lads, really, you know. So we don't get to play a lot with each other. So it's great when we can to come in and do something like. And this I've seen you know? some great videos online, actually, of you guys baiting it out together. Yeah, play. yeah, absolutely. And you know, look, it's, when we when we get together, it's great to be able to do it, you know. And uh, it's great, and it's great to be back doing it, you know. Of course, like St Patrick's weekend, I suppose this is our Christmas for any musician, you know, um, to be out. About do you do? Again. Do you do? Uh, he drinks tequila, or she drinks tequila, or someone drinks tequila. Uh, I do the hucklebuck every night. It's hard to do. He drinks tequila without Dorla being there, uh, Neil. You know. So, uh, but uh, if you want to, if you if you're uh, volunteering, no, one of the daddies can do. <laughs> exactly. I'll exactly. tell you what we we'll do. We'll come back after the break and go out in a big blast. We'll all right. Perfect. Okay. Back we'll after these. Calling Red FM Studio. Call the new number. 
0818 All right, Cheltenham betting in a couple of seconds before I love you and leave you. I've, I've given the band a name. It's Derek and the Two Dannies. <laughs> All right, does that work for you? The Triple D's, I was thinking. Triple D's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I've got the connotations of that one. Uh, actually, just on Grace, a lovely text, some beautiful text coming in. Great memories there with the lads playing Grace. My late dad loved that song. We sang it together many times. It lifts the spirits today. Happy St. Patrick's Day to all. Well, if that lifted the spirits, the fields of Athen Rye, with a twist, will lift the spirits. With a twist, exactly. You'll enjoy this one. By lonely prison walls I heard a young man calling City. She is a cord in one, two, three. Please, won't you tell me who is she? Albert Goldie says she loves her. All the boys are fighting for her. Out the door, they ring at the bell. Long and short, and there you are. Out she comes, a smile of snow. Rings on her fingers, bells on her toes. Old Jenny, her face says she lies. She doesn't get the fellow with the roving knife. I tell me, ma, when I go home, I place only the girls alone. My hair, so my comb, and that's all right till I go home. She is she is the bell of the city. She is the golden one, two, three. Here was the Denny's, all right, boys. 
gets a land of her own She won't tell her mother when she gets home Let them all pop as they will Cause it's the incredible we love still I tell me man when I go home The boys all leave the girls alone They pull on my hair, stomach my home But that's alright till I go home She is handsome, she is pretty She is the belle of Cork City She is the cord and one, two, three Please don't you tell me who is she She is the cord and one, two, three Asher, please, won't you tell me who is she? Saint Felican, the half three Shiskin, we know all about Shiskin, uh, the four ten Prendgard, uh, the ten to five Time White, and the half five Facile Vega. Just a few bob, or if you don't want to put money down, just a notional bet. Whatever you do, enjoy the next few days. If you're out at the parade, have a great time. I'm off for a few days. Obviously, we're back on the air Monday, and I will see you then. Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM.